Before we begin the show today, we want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Expand the Box Score, the number one sports statistics database on the internet. Expand the Box Score provides all the advanced data, stats, and production metrics to give you the edge in fantasy, dynasty, and DFS. We highly recommend heading over to expandtheboxscore.com and signing up today. Use our promo code ASTRO10 for a 10% discount on the subscription, making this an absolute steal. We'll now begin the show. Welcome to another episode of the British Ballers podcast. I'm your host, Rich. You can follow me on Twitter at FFMiz1. With me today is my co-host, Kev. You can follow him on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Goat. Kev, welcome to the show. Good evening, Rich. You're sounding you? very, you're sounding very, uh, very clear tonight. For once, not like you're in the bathroom. Thank you very much. Yeah, I finally upgraded on my snorkel microphone, so it'll be nice to not sound like I'm underwater. Would you say um, that your takes will improve with the uh, with the new mic, or is that too much to ask? It's probably going to make my content worse, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll give it a go. We've got a really interesting show tonight. Uh, looking at Win now dynasty buys, and like I said on our last pod, the average age of my dynasty roster is about thirty six years old. So you know, I'm a fan of those veterans. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So we've got another very special guest on the show tonight, and we're very excited to welcome Matt Thornton, who is a fellow astronaut with the Fantasy Football Astronauts. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt FF Dynasty. You can usually see him with his terrible obsession and takes around tight ends. Matt, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi guys, yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I've been really looking forward to this one. It's my first podcast, so I hope you're both good gentle on me. Don't be too harsh to me. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about some win now buys, which uh, I'm looking forward to because it's always good to get a cheap option when you're trying to win that title. So we're going to be looking at some maybe underperforming players, some aging players like Kev likes to uh, invest in. <laughs> That's all his teams, that's all he's got on there. So yeah, uh, we'll try and uh, get that title for Kev, shall we? Well, yes. I think that's a stretch. Um, but I do think it's a really interesting concept though. Uh, and I think it nails something where dynasty players, including myself, miss on. And that's buying, you know, buying veterans because it's something that people seem to avoid more in dynasty, obviously obsessed with the... With, with the age of dynasty players, whereas if you're in win-now mode, who cares if you, you know, your wide receiver one is 29, 30 years old, or if you can pick up those players for cheap. It's, it's as if a player gets to 28, 29 years old and becomes dead to uh, dynasty players. So with that, we'll move straight on with the show, and we are looking at win-now dynasty buys. Matt's put together some great recommendations here. So Matt, I'm going to let you take over with the first one here. So first off, we're looking at win-now quarterback options. So if you want to give us your first win-now quarterback. Yeah, so with the first quarterback, I'm going with Tom Brady, who's just signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's currently going at QB25 in Dynasty Startups. So it's not a, it's not a bad time to get him, really, because he's, he's going a lot later than he's, when he's finishing. Because usually he's finishing around QB12, which mm. is which is solid, especially in like super flex formats. And uh, that actual finish in 2019 as a QB12 is his 14th finish as a QB1 out of the 17 full seasons he's played in. So he's always consistent. He's always getting you the numbers that you need, which is always 
think a bit of a an advantage to have, especially in like say superflex formats. Yeah, and I was, I mean, sorry. sorry no, go on, Kevin, yeah, go on. No, I was just going to say I, I do agree with you uh, in terms of the second QB. The, the only worry I've got with Tom Brady, and you might disagree with this, Matt, it might not be the way you're looking at it, but a lot of people seem to be comparing um, the, tamp- the, the box in 2019 with Jameis Winston compared to, to what the box are going to look like in 2020, uh, whereas I think they'll be much more conservative. Is that, is, does that concern you at all? Yeah, I do think I actually wrote in one of my most recent articles where I looked at um, Tom Brady. And I did say, I think that Bruce Aarons is probably going to try and facilitate for Brady rather than expecting him to throw as much as Winston did last year. So I do think maybe his uh, attempts could drop compared to what Winston did. But like I say, I think he's a, he's a consistent quarterback. And I think he's going to facilitate to what Brady can do. Yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, I'll, I'm going to come to me last on this one. I, I I can see the argument for it. I actually do disagree on this one, uh, marginally disagree, but, mm-hmm. but I'll come to my thoughts on that in a second. Because I do think he's a serviceable second quarterback in a super flex league, but I'm just not sure whether I'd want to go out and buy him. So, Kev, where, where are you on Brady this year? Well, first of all, I don't really like the guy because he's a cheat. <laughs> um, but... Keep putting that to one side. I'm actually with Matt on this one. I'm I'm happy with this selection. Um, I think, like like Matt said, he's he's been durable throughout his career. Um, the only times in his career he's missed any games is when he tore his ACL in 2008, and also the four game ban for Deflate Gate. So you know that he's going to be playing 16 games for you, which I think is really important when you're looking at buying a player that there's a bit of certainty there with that. Yeah, um, and also. The weapons have, have definitely improved from last year. Um, you've got, obviously, Godwin Evans, Howard, Gronk, my favourite guy, Ronald Jones. So, um, I think it's <laughs> a massive... What about Vaughan, Kev? Um, I'm not going to discuss him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I just think the situation's a lot better. And even though the, sort of the volume might go down a little bit, I think Brady threw quite, quite a lot of attempts last year. And I think where where Winston was probably slinging it around sometimes inefficiently to the opposition. I think Brady will manage it a lot better. So it might be less volume, but more efficiency. So again, it's it's hard to make the argument against that. Uh, starting with the weapons, uh, what I'd say is I agree, obviously he's got much better weapons than he had last year. I mean, what, what did he have in New England apart from Edelman? He had and Keel Harry who missed a lot of the season. Um, God, I can't remember who the other wide receivers are in New England. Uh, Kobe Myers. Price, exactly. Uh, (laughs) So obviously, he's got an upgrade. I mean, for me, I have downgraded Chris Godwin and Mike Evans slightly based on the Buccaneers signing Brady. Not not very much. I mean, I've never been a huge fan of uh, Mike Evans, but I mean, I I still expect Chris Godwin to finish as a top 10 wide receiver, but I think off the top of my head, his, his ADP is like the second or third wide receiver off the board. I think potentially he could struggle to return on that that sort of value with Tom Brady at quarterback. Um, he's not going to see anywhere near the same sort of volume that he saw under Winston. And you look at Brady's performance last year, yes, his offence was poor, but I think he had one of the lowest yards per attempt of his career, or at least in a number of years. So he had 6.6 yards per attempt. And the thing that really um, puts me off Brady is there's, there's clearly no no floor at all in terms of 
it, rushing. There's li- literally the rushing game is non-existent from Tom Brady. You're not getting, not going to get anything from him there. So I'd be worried about his floor, even as my second quarterback. To be, uh, to be totally honest, I think for me Brady is going to be is going to be good for the Buccaneers. I actually, I think he, he could lead the Buccaneers to the playoffs, if not this year, then in the second year of his contract in 2021. But I'm not convinced that he's going to be a great fantasy quarterback this year, even with those weapons. So coming back to what I said to Matt earlier, I think I'd be happy with him as my quarterback too in a super flex league, but I don't think I'd go out and buy him. So Matt, what, what sort of price do you know of from his ADP? What sort of price you'd be looking at acquiring because I think in a startup I'd agree with you if he's going at quarterback 25 yeah. I'd, I'd certainly expect him to to beat that out in the dyna- in beat that out I think I still expect him to be a mid-range quarterback two or low-end quarterback two mm-hmm. but we always say that in a startup you can get a quarterback a lot cheaper than you can in trade yeah. so I mean do you know what sort what, what sort of offer would you be looking to put forward for someone like Brady? Uh, well, actually, in one of my leagues, I did actually see him get traded, and it was for a 2021 second. Mm. So, and I think that was for a team that's that's high up trying to win a championship. Wow. So, yeah, I think I think that's a fair price to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's bad actually. And that was a super flex league as well. It was, yeah, yeah, it was a super flex league. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's just the leagues that I'm in where people just massively overinflate the price of the players yeah, then. I think I think people take into consideration that it's probably only got maybe one, two year in him. So I think yeah. I mean I do you that... have any concerns he won't play next year? Do you thought uh... th- I mean if he I mean this is pie in the sky. I don't believe that the Bucks are good enough to win the Super Bowl this year. But if yeah. if they caught lightning in a bottle and they won the Super Bowl, would you expect him to come back for his second year? If they won a Super Bowl, no, I don't no. think I think that's that's a good way to go out, and I think to yeah, uh, yeah. To so up to the doubt to the haters and uh, <laughs> one of the haters is on this uh, <laughs> is on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. but no, I, th- I think it's a good. I think no, though I don't necessarily agree. I can certainly see the argument for Brady. It's just yeah. as I said, I do have co- a few concerns, especially around his floor, and it depends, I think, on the league you're in and what price you can get him. But to be fair, as I said, a 2021 second, I don't think that's too bad. I think I'd probably do that as well. So it's a good shout. So -hmm. if you move on to your second quarterback. Yeah, so second quarterback, I've gone for Teddy Bridgewater. He's Mm. uh, just joined the Carolina Panthers. So it could be interesting to see how he does there. Um, His current start-up price is a QB 24. So just a bit before Tom Brady. And then... yeah, he uh, he managed six games last year when he was at New Orleans, and he put in a QB four performance mm-hmm. against Tampa. And he also put in a QB twelve against uh, Chicago Bears. So he's he's proven that he can he can put up good numbers. And I think now joining Panthers with Matt Rule and Joe Brady there, I think they can really get all the uh, get the full potential out of him. I think now that he's he's joined them over at Carolina. Uh, hey. And like like we said about Brady, he's got the he's got the weapons now. He's he's got obviously he had Michael Thomas in uh, New Orleans, but he's got McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, Ian Thomas. So he's definitely got a selection of weapons to throw to. So I'm hopeful that he can uh, he can uh, break out next year and have a good year. Uh, I'm I agree with you on this one. Um, completely agree. 
I'm, I'm going to keep my part short here because it probably doesn't make for a great show. We're just agreeing with everything you've just said. <laughs> so I'm going to let Kev probably go into more detail, but really I can only echo what you've said. So he's got great weapons. So as he said, McCaffrey, uh, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, Ian Thomas, obviously Joe Brady's gone there as the offensive coordinator. I think they'll play up pace. Obviously Joe Brady put together what potentially was the, the best offense of all time. Uh, college offense of all time with LSU last year and elite quarterback Joe Burrow. Um, and and the, the only other thing for me to add is that, that the Panthers defense could really be the worst in the league. So I yeah. think they could be involved in a lot of shootouts as well. So it could be a fantasy gold mine from that perspective. So nothing else for me to add on that one. I am with you. I think Bridgewater is a great buy, especially at QB 24. I think that's practically stealing him. So I'll, I'll, let, I'll come to you on that one, Kev. Yeah, fully on board with this one. I think for me, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he, he tends to um, check it down quite a lot and keep it in the in the short and intermediate pass game. But he's got some fantastic yak weapons in McCaffrey, DJ Mark, Samuel. So even though he's not throwing it very far, he's, he's still going to be getting those uh, those numbers. And I think people are basing these low expectations based on his game manager stats when he played for the Vikings and the Saints. Uh, and as you alluded to with, with that defence, he's not going to be a game manager this year. There's going to be plenty of pass volume and it's going to lead to game scripts where he's throwing a lot. So, fully on board with this one. I think it's a little bit of a... To be fair, I'm not, I'm not totally prepared for this. So, I might be, somebody might be able to shoot this down. But I'm one of the people guilty of saying that Bridgewater is a game manager, but I think his accuracy and his downfield passing was actually really impressive when he did let the ball go. Um, so it is a little bit of a myth. I mean, he came in, came in with the Saints, played in five games. I think he went 5-0. and uh, But really, when you're coming in as the backup quarterback, the whole offense is not actually going to be open to you, really. You're probably going to play it more conservatively or your, your offensive coordinator is going to play it a little bit more conservatively. Conservatively, I think that the stats show that he can certainly be accurate when throwing the ball downfield. And of course, this is his offense pretty much for 2020. I'm, I'm pretty sure I think the Panthers will go out and sign or draft a quarterback next year in 2021, or they'll at least be very much in position to draft, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance. Um, Trey Lance, I meant to say Justin Fields. I ruined my own joke there. <laughs> I was about to say the true 101 Trey Lance, but. That's my only worry, literally, with Bridgewater is that I do think the Panthers may draft a quarterback next year. But if you're trying to win a championship now, I think Bridgewater's a great option and I'd, I'd buy him at his current price as well. Yeah, he's massively undervalued for what he can actually bring you. Well, that's it then. <laughs> I thought you were going to add something else, Kev, but... End the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so Kev, have you got any... Uh, any quarterbacks that you're looking to buy this off-season that other people may be overlooking? Yeah, I've got one for you. Uh, he's going as the quarterback 42, which is hilarious, considering there's only 32 teams. Um, <laughs> and that's Tyrod Taylor. So mm. when I saw he's being taken as QB 42 in Dynasty Startups, I was pretty shocked, to be honest. Um, I, look at that, I look at the schedule for the Chargers, and I think they could easily be 6-3, and 7-2 and two at the bye. Mm. Uh, a team in contention so I don't actually see Herbert getting on the field as a rookie and now if we look back in time Tyrod's actually been a QB1 before 
and he's now got the best supporting cast of his career. So I currently have him as a top 15 QB in redraft. Um, and for a win-now team, I'd be willing to pay a second rounder for him. So that might be a little bit higher than some people, but if you need to win now, I mean, get Tyrod. <laughs> I, th- I think it does come with risk, obviously, because there's yeah. a risk that he plays three games and then yeah. Herbert's the man. But I mean, how many games did he play in in 2018? Was it with the Browns before Baker Mayfield replaced? Oh, it was two. He played two. two. <laughs> I think that would be my that, sorry. That would be my worry. I think if uh, if, it, if they don't make a good start, are all the fans going to get onto him saying? Let's let's go with our new quarterback. Let's go with Herbert and see what he can do. I do think, yeah, I was going to say, I do think that is a fair point that yeah. if they do start off badly, then they, they might turn to Herbert as a first round pick. But I do think it's a different situation to when um, when it was in Cleveland because at that time Cleveland were, were trash and <laughs> uh, well, they still are most seasons, but. I think with the Chargers that they've got a roster that's ready to contend right now. I think if um, if I remember rightly that their uh, record in one lo- one score games was horrific, and if yeah, that, was, if that, if that yeah. flipped a hundred percent, I actually believe they finished twelve and four. So they're not actually that far behind. They just need someone to be competent, and Tyrod's the man for that. Really, just to keep it steady and. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure he's gonna. He's, <laughs> I just think he's gonna. He's gonna play a lot of the season for me. Um, the only way Herbert gets in is injury for me. I mean, I I really don't like um, Justin Herbert at all. I think it was a, <laughs> it was a it was a poor pick from the Chargers um, in general. As I said, I think you're right. My, my issue is that obviously he's a first round pick, so at some point they are going to throw him in there. But their defence literally has an argument to be one of, if not the best defence in the league. Uh, I think that they're set up for success. So for me, would you, if Tyrod comes out and starts, even like you said, Kev, even if he starts competently, with that roster they've got and with the weapons he's got, I think competence should be enough to get them in the playoffs. So unless it com- there's a complete disaster and he's terrible, which to be fair, as much criticism he seems to get and as much as he seems to be written off, I don't think Tyrod's ever been particularly terrible. Um, so as long as he can be competent, I would expect him to, I, I think I'm with you, I am concerned, but I think I'd be willing to take the chance on him that he plays at least the majority of the season. Uh, and I'm real, I'd be really happy to take Tyrod even as my QB1 in redraft leagues where... I do think you should wait on quarterback as long as possible. So I, I'm with you. I think it's a good shout. I think it's worth the risk for what you probably have to pay for him because even now I'd assume you probably don't have to pay much because his owners will be will be frightened or concerned by the fact that Herbert could come in at any time. This, it could be a case as well where you, you purchase him, but you may be not 100% sure. So all you've got to do really is buy him now, let him play four or five games, charges a four and one and he's the starter. Sell him. And then you can sell him yeah. on to the Herbert owner. Yeah. I like I that. A, another thing as well, the, the rushing upside as well. I think that's that's another bonus to having him. He's, uh, yeah. he's put up good numbers in the past. I know when he was in Buffalo, he uh, he ran for nearly 500 yards, I think, and four touchdowns. So you can definitely, yeah, that gives you can definitely give you that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So. 
Yeah, yeah. That's a, a great selection. I begrudgingly agree that that is a good selection. Yes. Yeah, so it's only taken you eight episodes to come out with something that, uh, valuable. <laughs> so if it's we a new microphone. Then, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's like, have you ever seen Jimmy Grimble? Yeah, no, the Man no City guy. In the US. Yeah, like with his magic boots. Like you've got a magic mic. <laughs> That is a great film, by the way, yeah. No, not Magic Mike, the Jimmy Grimble. So if we move My on to... Pony. <laughs> so if we move on to running backs then, Matt, if you want to give us your first running back selection, and yes. I just have to say before you give me this, <laughs> I really do wonder who this is going to be. Yeah, I'm getting excited here, getting a little bit about this one. <laughs> yeah, my first running back is Todd Gurley. Yes. Yeah. He's uh, obviously just signed with Atlanta. He's currently going as the RB21 in Dynasty Startups. And I just think the sky's the limit with him. I honestly think he can put up serious numbers this year. He's, uh, he's proven in the past how good he is. He's, I don't think he's ever had a, a finish below RB15 in his four years in the NFL. So he can definitely do the job. They obviously worry is the uh, arthritis in the knee, which everyone's going to be concerned about when when trading for him. But he's got this one-year prove-it deal, so I think if he gets the workload, which he probably should because who's behind him in depth chart? I mean, I know you're a fan of Brian Hill, Rich. Yeah, only sarcastically. <laughs> yeah, he's got Brian Hill, uh, Ito Smith and Quadre Allison, so you've yeah, literally so, no competition for touches. Exactly. So I really do think he could have a good year in 2020 is uh also a bonus to him is that he gets a lot of touches in the red zone which is brilliant for running backs i think that's when everyone says that touchdowns can vary year to year i think if they get them red zone touches that's where they can really get a solid kind of number if you know what i mean so he had 51 attempts last year which were only behind zeke and mccaffrey yeah. and that were obviously with the rams so if you can get them kind of numbers again in Atlanta, yeah, I think it could be a good year for him. So you've converted me already with your um, <laughs> your propaganda in direct yeah. messages to the point where I actually bought him in a league where I'm trying yes, to now. Yes. So thanks. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I, I'm with you. I agree with you. Um, I was all out on Todd Gurley earlier in the off-season prior to free agency. I've come around more and more on this. I think you can get him relatively cheap as well because mm -hmm. his owners will be worried about that, the injury concerns, obviously. But like you said, um, he's on a prove-it one-year deal. They, they can run him into the ground if they need to. Yeah. He's got no competition for touches, really. I don't think he could possibly have got a better environment than, than Atlanta. I mean, he's got the potential wide receiver one in Calvin Ridley. Sorry, I just <laughs> that's nothing to do with my argument. I just wanted to get that in there. Uh, but Atlanta is a great environment for him. So they've been, they were top six in yards per play last year. And um, they're, I think they're returning the whole offensive line in 2020 that played in 2019. Um, and people forget that despite these knee injury concerns that, that we seem to have with him, and I, I'm one of those people as well, is he played in 15 games last year. And the Rams actually increased his workload as well as the season went on which suggests that, yes, obviously we know the knee issues are, are well-founded and it is a concern, but I think, you, we, we, I think he'll be very productive. I think, he, I think he'll be an RB2, but I, I think he's worth the price that you'd have to pay for him because I still think he has the upside of a, a back-end RB1. 
Um, Kev, so we'll come to you on this one. Um, I'm assuming Todd Gurley is a bit young for your teams. He's only 25. <laughs> but is, it someone, is he someone that you'd be targeting? I think you have taken him in a start from what I've seen. Yeah, I like, that. I like this selection, actually, Matt. The, uh, the King of Georgia returns home, doesn't he? So, um, like, like Matt said, there's, there's no competition in the run game. Um, pass game, there's, I think um, Atlanta, they, they lead the league in uh, most vacated targets from last season. And Devontae Freeman, he managed to be on pace for 80 targets last year. So, that, that was a bit of a, an eye-popping stat for me. Um, Gurley's been a league winner before. Um, and I'm, I'm fully on board with selection. One thing I just come on to about the touchdowns, I just thought of this while um, you were both going through that then, that the Falcons, you think about their, their team touchdown scorers, Julio's not really renowned for it. Ridley gets more than he should, I would say, based on uh, the prototypical size as such. And then there's uncertainty with Hayden Hurst that we've not really seen him in yeah. a full-time role. So in terms of touchdowns, he's going to be well in with the shout of, of leading that team in touchdowns in, in 2020. Uh, so I've just looked this up um, and credit to uh, the fantasy god Evan Silver for this that established the run. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to come on the show, Evan, you know, if you're listening, <laughs> very unlikely. Uh, so Atlanta targeted their running backs as well over 50 times more than the Rams did in 2019. And as you've both covered, who else is there in that backfield that's going to take those targets? Even if even if we talk about the vacated targets, and I totally agree with you, but even without those vacated targets, even if they brought back, even if they'd have brought back Austin Hooper, those targets were still going to the running back over 50 more than he was getting with the Rams last year. And you, you wouldn't really trust any of the other Falcons running backs with any other, really more than a handful of those targets. So if he stays healthy, um, I think this is a fantastic shout. Agreed. Yep. Well, not much to debate there then. <laughs> so if we move on to the next one, uh, I'm assuming Matt, you've put this one on the show sheet as a joke, but I'll let you try and sell me on this one. So your next win now running back. Right. My next pick is Sony Michelle oh! of the New England Patriots. Yeah. Like I've said before we started the show, um, I struggled picking these running backs because it's such a volatile position. I mean, one minute you can have a superstar, next year can be can be nothing. Yeah. So, uh, I did struggle to pick one here, but he's currently going as the RB35. He finished last year as the RB31, so nothing spectacular, but he did have over a 1,000 yards from scrimmage, which I think a lot of people don't realise, actually, that he had a pretty good season, to be fair. Uh, his volume, he's, he's getting the ball a lot. He's, uh, he had 247 attempts last year. So that's right up there with with some of the top running backs. And now with Cam Newton joining, I think he's going to open up a lot of lanes for Sony Michel. So hopefully he can have a bit of a bounce back after a steady year last year. But I do think the talent's there. He's just uh, They just need to get him going, really. I think they just need to... It's easier yeah. said than done. <laughs> yeah, well, it is, yeah. But... Maybe if they tie an engine to him or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, Kevin, I really want to squash this one, but I'm going to give you the pleasure of it. <laughs> so, if you now agree with him, this is going to really backfire. Come on, Kev. <laughs> well, I, I'm a, as, as a lot of people don't know, I, I'm a really nice guy. Um, <laughs> I keep telling people this, which probably means I'm not. Um, but, yeah, for me, it's one I can't get on board with. Um, just, just really because... 
I see Michelle as a touchdown dependent guy with no real pass upside and the Patriots backfield it's always been a little bit unpredictable um, they, the, the advice that we often get in fantasy is to, to take the cheapest option with the, the Patriots so Damien Williams it, season they, who? Damien Harris? <laughs> him yeah no they never <laughs> signed Damien Williams <laughs> Damien Harris crazy. sorry so um, to say I'm so high on Damien Harris, I can't believe I forgot his name. <laughs> oh, um, sorry. So I I do I do agree that having Cam will actually help create lanes uh, for for the running backs. But Cam himself, he's got 58 career rushing yeah. touchdowns. Um, what what I would agree with Matt on is that he is a fair value at RB35, and I think it's fair price to pay for him. What I would also say is he has flashed at times, so he has had these games where you think he looks he looks a world beater as a running back and he, he's got that potential to if he did get the majority of the touches he's got the potential to to lead, lead the league in rushing I'd say but I just don't think he'll ever get that opportunity to carry it for 20, 20 times a game all season Yeah so I'd add to that um I can see what you're saying, Matt, in terms of, so he's going as the RB35. You said he was the RB31 last year. But, I mean, to buy him, for me, if I was buying Sunday like this, and if we've sort of just touched on it on Todd Gurley, where you sort of could say, is it, you know, he's going at this price, but he's got the upside of this. He, he may have been the RB31 and he's going as the RB35, um, but I just, don't, I just don't see the upside there um, at all, to be honest. I think... He's obviously had foot surgery. That adds even more questions. I'll be honest, I was totally out on Sony Michelle before the foot surgery. So now mm. I don't. I won't even have him on my draft board, to be honest. I think the backfield is really crowded. Um, got James White, Rex Burkhead, Damian Harris and Damian Williams as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I just don't think the opportunity will be there for him this year like it has been in the past. Now, I know you've got a very valid point, Matt, that he had over a thousand yards from scrimmage in 2019. But you've got to think how much opportunity he had to, had to get to get that 1,000 yards. Mm. It was ridiculous. He had, he had just as much opportunity in 2019 as he did in 2018 and was just painfully inefficient. It was I had 1.24 yards created per carry and he was outside the top 40 in nearly every important metric you can look at in the 2019 season and I, I just don't see how that's going to improve this year especially as I said the, the backfield's a mess and Cam Newton I do agree with both of you that he'll open up the running lanes but I think you touched on it Kev as well. I think Sony Michelle is very touchdown dependent and I'd expect Cam Newton to take to sort of snipe a lot of those touchdowns at the goal line. Me too. <laughs> so we've squashed Matt. I'll never come back on the show after that one. <laughs> so I'm gonna is there anyone else, Matt, you'd want to mention there? I know we've just squashed you on Sony Michelle, but Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna mention Jordan Howard. I mm. think he's he's a very interesting buy. But he's been mentioned a few times on the podcast, so I thought I'd leave that one out. But also, Duke Johnson. Yes, <laughs> I knew you'd get Duke Johnson in there. I had to include him. I just think if it all goes wrong for David Johnson. Which it will. Yeah, I agree. I think it will. I think Duke's just sat there. He's, he's just waiting to be released. It's like, I remember, was it Free Aaron Jones? And yeah. Say, yeah. I think, same with Duke Johnson. I think, get him on the field. He's, uh, he's proven it in the past before as well. He's had an RB1 finish when he was at 
Cleveland. So 2014, yeah. Yeah, so he's shown he can do it. So I just wanted to see him have a chance. I think I think he could be a really good running back, but just you don't get the opportunities. It just baffles me. I mean, he was fantastic in college. Like you said, he showed that again in 2014. He was an RB1. And the only the only reason that Duke Johnson isn't considered one of the top running backs in the league or at least, you know, around the RB1, RB2 conversation is the incompetence of the coaches he's had around him. If he was given the opportunity, I think he'd be absolutely fantastic. So before I come to Kev on this, Matt, I'd ask you, if my worry for Duke is, again, the incompetence of the Texans and Bill O'Brien. Obviously, if like when Duke Johnson was traded to the Texans and every Duke Johnson truther out there was so excited about it that it was finally going to get used properly and then it just never happened. I just the same excitement will repeat itself again if David Johnson goes down. But how sure are we that, that the Texans won't go out and sign some plodder off out of free agency instead of giving Duke the, the three down role that he should get? Yeah, I think that's the worry. There's still some good running backs as well that are available, like Devontae Freeman. So I do think that is a worry. If anything did happen to David Johnson, they could turn to another running back. But I just hope that they let Duke have a chance and just show what he can do, I think. Yeah, he's, he's worth the price anyway. It's, yeah, not, exactly. it's not like you have to give up a lot to get him. So I yeah, think he's worth, worth stashing in case. Kev, are you on the Duke Johnson bus? I love Duke Johnson, yeah. Um, my, my worry is that he's obviously he's been surrounded by incompetent coaches and staff his whole career. I believe he's at age 27 now. So it's kind of like, when will yeah. he break out? Yeah. I mean, we can, we can put it down to the coaches, coaches being incompetent, but... What if there is something else under underlying that we don't know about, like he can't understand the playbook or something like that, or durability concerns? I don't, I don't know. I'm just trying yeah, to think of yeah. why he's not had the chance, because generally, if if you're that talented, you do get the opportunity. But it's just, um, I, I do like the guy, and I, I would buy him in Dynasty. But it's just, just that that little that little question really of is there something else that we don't know about? I mean, would you be willing to pay for him at his, you know, his current price? If if you could make, a, if you could get him on a deal that you know, sort of in line with his current ADP, it, I think he's probably worth stashing just in case. Oh it's yeah, not like you have to give up much for him. Yeah, I'd, I'd smash it. <laughs> oh, we're bad for saying that on this show. <laughs> I think in a lot of cases you can get him just thrown in as part of a deal. Yeah. You know, when you're making a yeah. trade, just chuck me Duke Johnson, and then there you go. I'm assuming you won't be trading away Duke Johnson. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> Don't say no trade offers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, to finish off with the running backs, as we as I let Kev squash Matt on Sony Michelle, I'm going to allow Matt to come back hopefully and squash Kev unless he agrees with him. Then he's going to have to leave it to me. Kev, have you got any running backs that you believe are win now options? So this is a horrible take. <laughs> um, no, like like Matt said on on Sony Michelle, it, it was really hard to think of a running back that sort of <laughs> was a decent option because like, like I said at the start of the show they're all either aging or injury concerns or or whatever so I'm, I'm ready to get a beating on this one but I'll, I'll go for it anyway um, I've picked Mark Ingram at running back 33 now the reason I'm picking Ingram is it was the RB10 in points per game last season I think at that price, you're getting a huge discount with the drafting of J.K. Dobbins. And I think running back 33, it's a fair price. Is going to be probably a RB3, maybe an RB2 at a push. 
And I just feel that this season will probably be his last main season. So a one-year rental, hopefully being a top 20 running back, someone that's safe and reliable. So that's me on Mark Ingram. So you think he'll finish as um, a top 20 running back in 2020? I think he'll be just inside the 20, yes. Just inside the 20. Can I get you... Can you confirm? So you're saying top 20. This is, I'm very confident about this not happening. So I hope to God it doesn't happen. So before I go on to my argument on why, why Mark Ingram won't finish in the top 20 or anywhere close to it, um, obviously I'm going to make a bet with you, Kev. You don't have to reciprocate the bet, but this is how confident I am. So with everything going on around, obviously everyone's aware of the Scott Fishbowl and the great job that um, Scott does with Scott Fishbowl 10 current drafts are going on and obviously the great cause that he does that for with Fantasy Cares I will tell you now Kevin and I'm going to change this into American dollars to make it easier for the US listeners if Mark Ingram finishes in the top 20 I will donate $200 to Fantasy Cares at the end of the season that's how certain I am <laughs> and at least if I lose it's a uh, it's a good bet to lose so for me i don't think there's any chance on earth he finishes in the top 20 so you look at his 2019 stats he scored a touchdown per game which is not going to happen again he had five receiving touchdowns i don't believe there's a chance that he repeats that i think he had he averaged something less than two targets per game in 2019 it was only because of how efficient the ravens offense were that he took advantage of that i i don't think the Obviously, I think, don't get me wrong, I still think Lamar, I nearly called him Lamar Andrews then. I, I can't even get any names right tonight. I think Lamar Jackson is fantastic. I still expect him to be the QB1 or QB2 at the very least. But I do think there will be some regression from the Ravens offense. That's going to affect Mark Ingram. And the main, the main reason for this is last year, he was the best running back on that roster. He, was, he had Justice Hill. Justice Hill who I do like a lot, but he's very raw. And Gus Edwards, who's really just a, a glorified plodder, to be honest. He's no longer the best running back on that team. Uh, they drafted J.K. Dobbins in the, the second round, was it? I think it was. Yeah. Yes. Second round, yeah. Um, I expect Mark Ingram to start the season as the, the lead back in that offence. But to be honest, that backfield's very cloudy for me. And I think J.K. Dobbins will get more work as the season goes on. Um, and as I said, I just can't sit for Mark Ingram to finish in the top 20. I think he's going to have to repeat the the ridiculous touchdown efficiency. And I just, I just can't see it happening. Well, for me then, I'll, I'll come back and counter argument with you in a nice civilised manner. <laughs> um, he finished running back 10 in fantasy points per game. So actually me ranking him at 20 is factoring in some regression. Oh, and I think I, I think the bit to that. <laughs> the bit the bit with J.K. Dobbins, I completely agree he's going to be the lead back eventually, but I see him more affecting Gus Edwards' role than Mark Ingram's role, and part of the reason is that the Ravens are going to be a contending team again, and I just feel that when it's getting to the business end of the season, why would you, I don't know why you'd put it more on a rookie? You, I, I just feel that if you're in tough games towards the end of the season, you need him to win. You just go with someone that's safe and reliable. Um, um, what, what I'd also say as well on Ingram is that he's a beast. And uh, <laughs> well, no, that's, um, that's it then. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, I just think with Dobbins as well, like the the ability is there hundred percent, but I just it's a shortened off season. Mm. I don't think it'll be until next season we see him truly flourish. And I do think there's a good chance that this is Ingram's last season with the Ravens, and they'll end up cutting or trading him. Um, well, probably not training him because who's gonna who's gonna take him as a thirty-two-year-old, seventy-year-old running back, yeah, fifty-nine-year-old running back, but. Um, yeah, that, so yeah, Mark Ingram season. So Matt, I'm going to let you take take Kev down here, um, yeah. or me, whichever. <laughs> We've got quite contrasting views on Mark Ingram, so I'm going to let you get the final say. Yeah, when I first did see Kev say Mark Ingram, I kind of agreed with him. I do, I do quite like Mark Ingram, but then I thought the way you shot me down with Sony Michelle. I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to clap back on this one. So, you say so to Michelle about the the passing game, but Mark Ingram, while he did catch passes, he didn't catch a lot of passes. I think it was 26 last year. I don't think Lamar Jackson really throws that much to his running back, so I don't think he's got a a massive ceiling as far as the passing game goes. But he also stated that Cam Newton's going to take away some touchdowns from Sony Michelle. <laughs> Who's Mark Ingram's quarterback? I mean. Probably one of the best rushing quarterbacks we've had in years. And he only got seven last year. He's due for so many more touchdowns, I think, in 2020. I think, what did he get in his rookie season? And then, did, with it the five games he played it in 2019? Uh, in 2018, sorry. I think uh, he got I don't know, five or six touchdowns, maybe, in yeah. five games, whatever it were. And he only got seven last year. So, I think that's due for a positive regression as well. So, I do think... He's going to take away some of them touchdowns that Ingram got last year. Welcome back to the British Ballers podcast. I'm your host, Rich, uh, with my co-host, as always, Kev. Uh, our special guest on the show tonight is Matt Thornton, of our fellow fantasy football astronaut. You can follow Matt on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. Today, we're looking at players to target in Dynasty as win now, Dynasty buys. The first half of the show... We covered quarterbacks and running backs with some wonderful disagreements. So see if we can get any players that we agree on in the second half of the show. Uh, we're going to move on to wide receivers next. So Matt, do you want to take us in with your first wide receiver option if you're not too scarred from the Sona Michelle beating that we gave you? <laughs> yeah, so my first wide receiver is T.Y. Hilton of the Indianapolis Colts. Nice. He's currently going as the wide receiver 42 in Dynasty Starks, which I think is atrocious. I mean, how can, <laughs> it be, how can it be going that late? So, wow. uh, yeah, he made a hot start to last season. I think he had 20 receptions, 195 yards and four touchdowns. But then the rest of his season was just full of injuries. Hmm. Yeah, he had like a double injury, ankle injuries, calf injuries. He had all sorts. So it really disrupted his season. But now he's got Philip Rivers coming in. So it's obviously an upgrade on Jacoby Brissett. And yeah, I just think he could have a really solid year. He's, he's the number one option in, for the Colts. So I think he can definitely return value at that wide receiver 42 mark anyway in startups. Yeah, I think even if he missed a few games, he, he could return that, that to be fair. Kev, you obviously reacted positively to that. So I'm assuming you're on board with this as well. Yeah, I love that. Wide yeah. receiver 42 and the last six seasons before... Last season when he was injury hit most of the year, he's, he had six top 30 wide receiver finishes. So you, you know that he's got that ability in him. He's the uh, he's a clear option, clear pass option for the Colts. 
And I think he's a lock for 100 targets minimum. So, wide receiver 42, that's a steal. I mean, who else? I don't even know off the top of my head who what sort of wide receivers are going around wide receiver 42. But that seems outrageous. It'll be it'll be a joke as well, won't it? I don't know, like... <laughs> Marquise Brown. JJ <laughs> Sega Whiteside. Uh like J it was like Jameson Crowder range, won't it? Yeah. So I just think like if we're just talking purely one season, I've got Hilton as a wide receiver too in twenty twenty. Yeah. So fully on board with this. Great selection. Yeah, uh, I haven't got any arguments on this one for the first time as well. My only concern, but you've already covered it, Matt, is obviously if he can stay healthy. So we have multiple Sort of seen multiple injuries last year, so the the only worry really, really with Hilton is that he can stay on the field. But to be honest, if you can get him for a you know if you can make a trade where the the equivalent price is a of you know wide receiver forty two, then you're pretty much getting him for almost nothing. I mean, you look at his last sixteen games that he's played when he's been healthy. He's had over a th- he had over a thousand yards, seventy seven receptions. I think he's set up to dominate the targets in Indianapolis this year. Obviously they brought in Jonathan Taylor. Um didn't have that much did wasn't didn't have that much heavy involvement in the passing game, but I do expect him to improve. But I think we'll see more involvement for him in the past game in 2021 than what we see in 2020. Other than that in the backfield you've got Naeem Hines and Marlon Mack. Um, I know people make the argument with Philip Rivers coming in that he'll target his running backs such as he did with Austin Eckler in with the Chargers. I can't see that happening because the difference being um, Austin Eckler is talented, unlike Naeem Hines. Um, Marlon Mack, I'd say, is talented, but he, he doesn't have that much involvement in the past game. I think he's just an average run-of-the-mill running back that was hugely overrated last offseason, so I don't think they're going to take away too many targets from Rivers. And then you look at the wide receivers that he's competing with. I, I do actually really like Paris Campbell this year. I think he's an athletic freak. Um, he obviously suffered with injuries of his own last year, which which made it a disaster rookie year for him. But with a year with the Colts, I think we'll see improvement from him. He'll obviously have better quarterback play. I also really like uh, Michael Pittman, who they drafted this year. But the longer we go without an off-season, I still don't believe we'll see a full training camp. I'm pretty much out for 2020 on nearly every wide receiver in the class. Even the wide receivers I have at the very top of the board, such as... C.D. Lamb and Jalen Rager, I'm even out on those sort of guys. So um, I'll be surprised if Pittman makes much of an impact this year. So from the wide receiving point of view, other than what I think will be an upturn from Paris Campbell, there's not really anything else there to compete with T.Y. Hill. And I think you've probably nailed it, Kev. I think if he stays healthy, he's going to get 100, 100 receptions easily. Yeah, I think you just have to mention as well, though, at running back, they've, they've just drafted Jonathan Taylor, so mm. I think he could take some targets. I think everyone's thinking that how he minds he's going to be the passing down running back, yeah. but I think with Taylor's talent, I think they're just going to want to get it in his hands, aren't they, as much as possible. But yeah, I, I, think, think that... I think that'll be over pretty quickly. Even, even I don't know what you think, Matt, even the talks of a split backfield between Marlon Mack and no, Jonathan no. Taylor... If that isn't if if that isn't wiped out in training camp, I think it'll be worked out. Work, sorry, it'll be wiped out in the first quarter of the season at the very least. Hopefully, yeah. he runs for about two hundred yards against the Jags in week one. Yeah, I think as soon as he gets a chance, Taylor. I think good night. I think that's it. He's it's his backfield. Yeah, so we're all in agreement on that one. 
and I think we're all going to be in agreement potentially on the next one, unless Kev throws a spanner in there. So, Matt, do you want to give us your second wide receiver? Yeah, so my second wide receiver is Tyler Lockett at Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. He's uh, currently the wide receiver 28 in Dynasty Startups, but last year he finished at the wide receiver 13. He, um, he finished, actually, in the first nine weeks, he was the wide receiver three through mm. the first nine weeks. So he was a beast. Yeah, he had, he had a great start. And then week 10 is when he actually had the injury. I don't know if you remember it, but it, it sounded quite serious at the time. I think it was an hospital, him, I think. Yeah, going to hospital yeah. and stuff. So I think that then derailed the, the end of his season. And obviously with DK Metcalf there as well, it, it was another option that, that Russell Wilson had. But I just think the connection that Wilson and Lockett have, I think that's just, for, for the price you get in Lockett, I think that's something you can't really buy. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, it's great. I mean, my analysis, my analysis stretched to ADP is an absolute joke. That's pretty much all <laughs> I wrote down. So, so Kev, are you going to throw a spanner in the works? I am, and I feel really bad about it because <laughs> you don't have to feel guilty. <laughs> I so no, I so, so want to get on board with this because Tyler Lockett. I, I'm a big fan of his, and it were it were a shame what happened last season because he was flying, and then he got that, that bad leg injury and was hospitalised and couldn't couldn't catch the team flight. Um, I, I love his ability. I love his talent. If everything stays as it is, I'm fully on board. But my worry is that they sign Antonio Brown. Mm. I think if he ends up at the Seahawks, that's going to it's gonna crush values for for both Lockett and Metcalf in the short term. Because as crazy as he is, he's super talented as Antonio Brown. He flashed in his one game with the, the Patriots. I think he played, what was he on, like 13 snaps and got eight targets. Yeah. I heard something <laughs> yeah, like that the other day. Like that, yeah. um, so... If he can hold out a bit and hopefully Antonio Brown retires from the NFL or doesn't get signed by the Seahawks, then I'm completely on board with this. But I just think with the rumours circulating and that a decision's coming pretty quick, I, I couldn't do it personally. I do I do agree with the talent, but I just think the time, it's more the timing for me. If it gets to the point in a month or two months' time where Antonio Brown's done, fully on board with this, 100%. So... I think you make a valid point, but if we're talking about on this show, we're now dynasty options. I agree with you. I think if Antonio Brown comes back and he's healthy, I still think Antonio Brown, would, with a full season, would finish as a, a wide receiver one. But if we're talking about getting a title this year, even if, even if the Seahawks sign Antonio Brown, surely he's going to face a ridiculously lengthy ban, at least eight plus games. I mean, his his misdemeanors are worse than what Kareem Hunt did. And Kareem Hunt got eight games. So surely he's going to miss over half the season at least, even if the Seahawks sign him, at which point you're going to, I think Tyler Lockett's going to be embedded in that offense. Um, so I, I'm still buying Lockett at his price. And in fact, I know we get onto this later in the show, looking at players we'd overpaid for. I'd probably overpay for Tyler Lockett now. Um, I'm not really concerned about Antonio Brown at all because of that suspension, if I'm trying to win now. I mean, you look at his performance last year. To be fair, Matt's already covered a lot of it, but he had he played in the slot. He replaced um, Doug Baldwin and had he had career highs in targets, catches and yards in the slot. 
Um, I think he led or was second in the NFL in touchdowns from the slot, fourth in yards gained and um, ninth in receiving scores, something like that. And I know we've talked about Antonio Brown. Uh, we haven't really touched on what I believe is the reason why his price is so low, and that is DK Metcalf. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that, Matt. For me, I'm taking Tyler Lockett well ahead of DK Metcalf every single time, even yeah. now, even with the uncertainty around um, Antonio Brown. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think if I had to choose between the two, I'm still taking Lockett. Obviously, Metcalf, he's got the potential, he's got the talent, but I just think that connection, it, it, it's been shown in past, the connection that Wilson and Lockett have got. I just think that's that's the guy you want to own out of the two. Yeah, I, I just don't think you can... Uh, what's the word? I, I just don't think you can compensate for that that connection between Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. Even someone with so even someone like Antonio Brown coming in, say best case scenario, say Kev's right and he only gets a four game suspension or something like that, which would be absolutely ridiculous. It's still going to take up a little bit of time to get that connection, that chemistry between Wilson and Brown. Uh, I think Lockett will easily return on his value this year, even if Antonio Brown came in in the second half of the season. I still think you'll get enough from Lockett playing in the in the slot potentially with DK Metcalf and Antonio Brown on the outside. And in the few drafts that I've done so far, um, for example, uh, Scott Fishbowl, I think that's the in fact I think that's the only redraft league I've done so far where I've gone running back heavy, and I've got Tyler Lockett as my first wide receiver off the board, and I'm more than happy to go running back heavy and have Tyler Lockett as my first as my wide receiver one. I think as well, like, one thing I've, I've probably not considered is that is you take him as a wide receiver 28 in a start-up, and even if Antonio Brown does come there, there's still a chance that Tyler Lockett could be a wide receiver three. Mm. I know it's not ideal with the Seahawks being more of a run-heavy team, but if you're buying him at a wide receiver, price, at wide receiver three price, it'd be a decent shot at achieving that at least some weeks, so... I can I can I can get on board with you for that. I guess the flip side to that is if if Brown does come and he does get let's say eight game ban, then he'll be sort of taking away the points at the business end of the season when mm. when you, when you are challenging for the ship. But I do I do see sort of both sides where he's got the talent and if if you did buy him now and nothing happens, you've got you've got an absolute bargain. So do you think, Kev, do you think the price is lowered because of the worries people have? Because obviously these rumours have been circulating for a few weeks. But as far as I've seen, doing startups throughout the off-season, his price has been pretty low even before these rumours. So do you think it's the Antonio Brown rumours or do you think it's more that people are, well, you might not think so, but for me, people are, as much as I like him, people are overrating that DK Metcalf's impact on Lockett. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think Antonio Brown's affected this the the current ADP. I think it's more it's more DK Metcalf and I think most of the startups I've been in, Metcalf's gone quite a bit ahead of Lockett. Yeah. Which which I think there's a lot of uh, ageists that play Dynasty. Um <laughs> and, and and obviously it fits in well with with this show really, but you do see it a lot in startup drafts where you you're getting these guys that are maybe twenty seven, twenty eight and then just get disregarded. Well, yeah. Whereas I'm the other way, I I, I love you them guys. Under <laughs> You've got to be at least uh, mid twenties to have a shot at getting on my roster. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I'd say it's more to do with Metcalf than Brown. So I won't be surprised actually if 
if people are doing startups now or in the next few weeks, that his value might even drop further. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's already insulting in my opinion. So yeah. But if it drops any further, great, especially coming up to redraft season, if we get a season in August, I mean, I'm gobbling up Tyler Lockett at that sort of ADP. Um, I think it's nuts. But the risk, obviously, is that DK Metcalf learns to run more than two routes. Then, then Tyler Lockett might be in trouble. But for now, uh, I've got Lockett well ahead. Um, Kev, have you got any wide receivers uh, under the age of 36 that you're looking to target? Yes, this guy, I think he's 35. So <laughs> um, he, just, he just fits that criteria. No, he's, he's actually... He's actually 30 years old, this guy. Uh, Marvin Jones going at wide receiver 60. I love this. Which, wide receiver 60. (laughs) A back-end wide receiver (laughs) 5 in in Dynasty. I'm just shaking my head. I can't believe it. Um, He was a wide receiver 16 uh, overall in the games he he played last season. Wide receiver 13 in points per game in 2019. So... I have him as a top 25 wide receiver for the upcoming season, Yeah, which, like we said, um, it's win-now mode. It's based on this season, possibly two years maximum. And I just think it's it's such a value. Um, he is on the trade block in one of our leagues, and I've been trying my best to, to get this guy. But the price has been quoted is ridiculous. That's, <laughs> that, that's my issue, not just that league in particular because I've tried to get Marvin Jones in that league as well and this is the issue where I, I, I think we touched on it in the first half of the show to see what you two guys think you look at the ADP and what did you say Kev that Marvin Jones was going as wide receiver 60 so wide receiver 60 if you're trying to trade for a guy that's wide receiver 60 you'd think you'd be almost free and you just have to throw in a late round rookie pick but you're getting absolutely nowhere near that when you actually try to inquire when you inquire about him or trying to trade for a player like this uh, so I don't know what you guys think about that. The, di- the difference between the ADP in a startup draft and what what prices you're actually quoted when you're trying to acquire players like Marvin Jones. Yeah, I think I think you've really hit the nail on the head there because another way you can think about it is at, at the quarterback position. Whereas mm. it, in your drafts, you can maybe you can maybe find someone like a uh, Bridgewater in. Round eight and nine, maybe. Nine, ten, I think. Round, yeah. round about double-digit rounds, almost. But you, you try and trade for him. Yeah. And, uh, you try and trade for him and you might have to pay a first-rounder for him yeah. uh, from, some own, from some owners. Yeah. Because I think there's this, this notion in Superflex that if you've got a starting quarterback, he's automatically a first-rounder. Yeah, it's fascinating. Whether it be like... Jared Stidham or something like that. It's just an <laughs> yeah, automatic yeah. that if you're a starter, you're a first round um, pick, which is a little bit funny as well. So coming back to Marvin Jones then, Matt, I know I heard you um, positively respond to this one as well. So I think we may have a, a unanimous one on Marvin Jones. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a, a great selection, especially like you say, at the, at the dynasty startup price of a wide receiver, 60. He's going in the range of some absolute scrubs so yeah. yeah yeah great that's a great pick and yeah. i did actually get him in one league actually i've just while you're talking now i've just been trying to search what it was the the trade that went through it was actually david johnson that this is what i gave up david johnson duke johnson which you gave up duke johnson yeah i know it, it killed me but it had to be done and uh this was before the the rookie draft so 2021st which i think was the mid first 
Yeah. I got Kenyon Drake, and then as a throw in, Marvin Jones. So I love that. Nice, yeah, nice. Yeah, and I think Marvin Jones. I know he. How many? I don't know how. If you, either of you guys know how many games he played last year, I'm assuming he, he was involved after Matt Stafford went down. So I'm assuming his numbers were pretty good, even with pretty dreadful quarterback play. I think he picked up an injury towards end of year. Yeah, yeah. I think he played 13 games. Yeah, he certainly played a few without Stafford. I'm sure, and he was still productive. And, and for me, I think Stafford's a, a QB, potentially a back end QB one this year if he stays healthy. Yes, you are correct. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so if we Come move on, on. It's, his, it's his first evening pod for a while, isn't it? I know. Uh, yeah, you can tell. <laughs> so if we move on to the tight ends, Matt, if you want to take us in with your first um, win now tight end option. Yeah, I've gone for Mike Kaseki as my first pick. I like that. Yes. He's uh, currently going as a Titan 12, which is where he finished actually last year. And I've got a bit of an interesting fact on this one that I found out in my recent article. If you go through the last four years, the players that were the Titan 12 in ADP pre-season all finished as top six Titans. Spooky. So if you go 2016, Jimmy Graham finished Titan 4. 2017, Jack Doyle, Titan Ugh. 6. Wow. And then 2018, George Kittle, Titan 3. Last year, Mark Andrews, Titan 5. So the stars are aligned, surely. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. I um, I completely agree on Gasicki. A little bit like Marvin Jones, though, which I didn't touch on, is I always want Marvin Jones and Mike Gasicki, but I never press the button quick enough. I don't know what leagues I'm playing in because I can't get Marvin Jones at his ADP of 60. And I can't get uh, Mike Gasicki at tight end 12 either. So I think I must be playing in some ridiculous leagues. Um, for me, Gasicki, yeah, it's 100. I've got nothing to add, to be honest. I think he's fantastic. The only thing I'd ask you, Kev, and this is not from a previous show, is that, and you can just shoot me down here because I might have got this totally wrong. It might have been someone else that had some concerns about Gasicki in terms of uh, Chan Gailey coming in, or it might have not even been him at all. I might just be imagining it. It does ring a bell. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can't remember. I'd, I think, yeah, with, with Chan Gailey, he tends to go spread offense, four wide, mm. um, or four, four wide receivers as such. But I believe Kasiki actually plays quite a bit of time in the slot. Mm. Mm-hmm. So... 66%, yeah, I think Matt, I've yeah. got his notes, yeah. yeah. I don't, so, I, it could actually be a benefit for him yeah. that Chan Kaylee Zerikos is going to get more opportunity from the slot potentially, um, being on, being an every every down sort of player. Um, just just a bit on Gasicki, um, <laughs> it's making me laugh this, I, I made quite possibly the worst trade of my life. Uh, early this off season, I traded away Gasicki for John Ross, which that is the, straight yeah, up, true. which I, I don't know. I think I just I was messing about with a with like an old wide receiver model, and John Ross were like really coming out well in it. And I just <laughs> I think I kind of talked myself into it by looking at some really poor model I'd created, and it was horrific. But I, I do I do agree with that Gasicki is is poised to break out, obviously. It was only sophomore season last year, and tight ends got a slow learning curve. Um, yeah. There is a bit of a concern that his production came after the Preston Williams injury, but 
like, like I said, second year as a tight uh, in the, in the league, um, slow learning curve, putting it together. I've got a question for you two guys though. Um, so Gusicki is a he's got that top five potential for me at tight end, even as early as this season. But what would you be willing to pay for him? And don't say John Ross. <laughs> uh, I'd. <sighs> Matt's probably better to answer this one because, as you both know, I hate tight ends, so I <laughs> I don't really pay up for them to be honest. But if you take that out of it, unbiased view, I I really like Gasicki. Not necessarily in this context of a win now tight end. I think there's a few questions around him. What you said, you know, with the production coming after Preston Williams went down, we're not sure what the quarterback situation is going to look like. Whether Tua comes in early or whether Ryan Fitzpatrick plays. Um, so f I think with Gasicki, if I actually like tight ends, I would probably be willing to pay a late first for him. I think he's a, mm -hmm. or early second. I think he's a, he's a no doubt breakout. The only question for me is whether it happens this year or, or 2021 or in the future. I mean, Matt, you'll be great to answer this one. You, you usually <laughs> start every draft with four tight ends. So I'm assuming you'll pay up heavily for Gasicki. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think he's, is primed for that breakout. So, like I said, Rich, I think a late 2021 first, I'd be fine with. Yeah. Maybe like a, a wide receiver too that you might have on your team. Well, uh, you don't really have to though. Just get in a league with Kevin, offer him John Ross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, give it, I'll confess yeah, something would... to you. I'll confess something, Kev, that to make you feel a little bit better. So this is before, not in, it's not actually in one of the leagues that we're in together. I know that I tried to get John Ross from you in after you traded for him. I think I think that was our league, uh, but in another league at the same time as we were talking about, I was trying to trade for John Ross for like a second round pick or something like that, and you weren't having it. And this was obviously before they drafted um, T Higgins in the second round. In another league, I actually offered, and this should make you feel better, a first round pick for John Ross. And wow! <laughs> and it got rejected. That's, That's the worst unreal. thing. <laughs> no, so that was that would have been my worst trade of the off season. Uh, but wow. I mean, John Ross is, he, he's athletically is phenomenal. I mean, if he could actually hold on to the ball, if his hands weren't made of um, Vaseline, I think he'd be great. He's such a great athlete. But now, obviously, in hindsight, I, I honestly thought at the time to give you a, 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 an insight on my thinking, I think you, Kev, were along the same lines of why you'd, why I can sort of defend you for offering a sick is I think we both talked about John Ross potentially being a, a massive breakout candidate in 2020. Obviously, prior to them drafting T Higgins, and then at the time there was, and there still is, to be fair, questions around AJ Green as well, whether or not he even wants to play in Cincinnati. People keep saying about AJ Green being potentially a buy or you know returning wide receiver two or one numbers this year. No one even knows if he's actually going to come back and play. I think with with John Ross as well, a lot of people don't realise that he's actually the starter for the Bengals mm. in three wide receiver sets. So I think some of the Casual fans think Teagans is going to come in and be a starter, but I see him more as a, a long-term replacement to AJ Green than anything. I think yeah. John Ross in the final year of his deal is going to be on on the field. And if we remember to the start of last season before he got injured, he he, he looked pretty special to be honest he in the first couple of games. The Seahawks still in that first week yeah. of the season. And to, to just wrap up on John Ross, that league where I did trade for him, he uh, then got traded later on in that off season. Yeah, oh, well done. What did you trade him for? Like a, I think it like I think it like John O. Smith. So oh, that's I like that as well. That's uh, 
I mean, John, o, we won't get onto it now, but John O'Smith's a guy I think could potentially be uh, finishes a, a top 12 tight end this year. The only other thing I was going to mention uh, while we're talking about the Bengals, and I know we're going off on a little bit of a tangent, but it's only very quick. If we're talking about underrated wide receivers, then surely Tyler Boyd is one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's going to be playing in the slot potentially. Joe Burrow, who's the greatest rookie quarterback of the last decade, which I've always said, <laughs> if you don't go back and listen to any of our old shows, and he just peppered um, Justin Jefferson with uh, with targets in the slot. I think Boyd is going to be fantastic this year. And he's a guy that you can get, I think you can get Tyler Boyd in the double-digit rounds, which is just, it's great to pick him up. But for me, I think that's an insult. I don't know about you, Matt. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Tyler Boyd. I've been preaching it all off-season on my Twitter account that you just got to get him before Burrow were even drafted. I think that was the time to get him before the hype started and everyone realised that they could have a real special connection. So, it was, yeah, yeah, it's been the same. I, th I can't remember now off the top of it. His ADP even last year was 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 low for what he brings you. And I think yeah. Tyler Boyd's great. I think he's severely underrated. But uh, if we get back onto the subject of the show, <laughs> then sorry, uh, Kev, any Titan, any win now Titans for you? Yes, there is actually. Would you like to tell us what it is? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it got mentioned a bit earlier on, actually. Um, Jack Doyle. Oh. So I know you're a big fan, Rich. Um, yeah, I just, I just think that if, if you look at Frank Reich and the teams he's, he's sort of coached or been the offensive coordinator, He's been top five in targets for tight ends in each of the last four seasons now. That could be a bit fluky because he spent some time uh, in Philly, which obviously they've got Ertz and Goddard. Um, Doyle's got a tight end one season on his resume already, and I believe he is a clear number two option behind Hilton with mm. everything that's going on. And I actually do have him as a back-end tight end one just for this season, which might be a little bit... Uh, overly optimistic because he's on a couple of my teams but I'd be I'd be willing to bet that he, he smashes above Titan 26 this season yeah I, I think the reason I groaned on Jack Doyle is even for you Kev maybe you're different I don't know but no one ever enjoys drafting Jack Doyle it's just the most unexciting pick you can possibly think of but I mean, you're getting him at, what did you say it was, tight end 26? Yeah. Um, he, he probably is. To be fair, when we were talking about um, the Colts' offense, I probably missed, I don't think we actually mentioned Jack Doyle, to be fair. So, behind Hilton, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think I think Jack Doyle at least has it in his range of outcomes to finish as a back-end tight end one. So, for me, as I mentioned earlier, I, I sit and wait on tight end as long as possible in pretty much any starter. So Jack Doyle's possibly a great option. Um, he's almost he's almost free pretty much at that price at tight end twenty six. So I'm as much as I don't enjoy picking Jack Doyle, I, I think your argument is pretty sound. Um, Matt, you love a tight end, so you've probably got Jack Doyle ahead of Tyreek Hill. <laughs> no, I do think it's a great choice though, Jack Doyle. I think now that Ebron's gone obviously to Pittsburgh, I know they've just brought in was it Trey Burton. I think they've they've brought him, but I think Jack Doyle's going to have the he's going to have the um, the lion's share of targets. I think at that tight end position. So, 
Is there anyone else, Matt, before we move on from tight end that you want to cover? I know we only covered one there, so you might have another hidden up your sleeve. Yeah, I've got Jared Cook. I think he could be a great choice if you're looking to win now. He's currently going as a tight end 21 in Dynasty Startup, so it's quite late on. And he actually finished last season, he finished as a tight end 7, so he definitely flashed some some good upside. He, uh, he struggled a bit at the start of the season, but I think that was partly due to the fact that he actually had an injury, mm. as well as uh, Breeze picking up the injury at the start of the year, so I think that was a, a bit of a problem. But he's, he's, uh, he's a big red zone threat. I think he can demand a lot of targets when the Saints are around the red zone. So, yeah, I think that's another solid a solid option to pick up. Uh, so, I, even though I've just taken him as my tight end one in the Scott Fishbowl, <laughs> uh, I disagree. But I'm going to let Kev, Kev come in first here. Um, Kev, what, where are you on Jared Cook? Do you think he's a win now option? Yeah, I love this selection. Sorry, I'm just laughing at that last bit about tight end one in Scott Fishbowl. Um, <laughs> no, I do, I do love this selection. He's been a, a tight end one the last three seasons. Um, I think the addition of Sanders has kept his price pretty low. There's a lot of I think, things, concerns that he's going to eat into his volume as such. But like Matt said, he's a, he's a, he's a red zone threat. He's a touchdown threat. And I think he has got one last big season in him. So I'd be uh, all up for taking him for a win now team. So you sort of, even though I disagree with you, you, you took the words out of my mouth. What song's that? You took the words out? <laughs> yeah, so you did actually take the words out of my mouth technically. But with, with Sanders coming in, I think that's why his price is low. But I am concerned about Emmanuel Sanders coming in. Um, he had a great run down the stretch, obviously, but Alvin Kamara was never fully healthy from about the halfway point or maybe even earlier in the season. They obviously signed Emmanuel Sanders. Even with lower target competition last year, he had under five targets per game. So my worry is that that regresses even further. Um, and I think what you said, though, Matt, one thing I will say is a good counter-argument is, is that he is a good red zone weapon. So if, if he can score, you know, to get into the tight end one conversation, you don't actually have to have a, a massive amount of production. As a red zone threat, he's got every chance of finishing in the, the top 12. So I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of tilting back and forth here. I think at tight end 21, uh, he's probably worth a shot at that sort of price. I am worried about him, especially with Alvin Kamara back healthy and Emmanuel Sanders being signed there. I think the only, what I would say to finish that is in context with this show, win now, I don't think Jared Cook is going to be, is going to win you a league, for example, but he should put up at least competitive numbers in terms of a guy that you can take very late in startup. So as he said, tight end 21 for a guy that was tight end seven. But I think he'll struggle to be anything more than a, a very back end tight end one. Yeah, there's just one thing I'd like to say. Just, I guess, to wrap up this whole, whole uh, section on win, win now dynasty buys is these sort of guys that we've discussed on on the pod today. If you look in your leagues and you know you can see there's a team that's potentially not going to be contending this season, 
these are the type of guys that you'd be able to mm. get off them at a really mm. nice price. Yeah. So yeah. if you're trying to buy win now players from other contending teams, you're going to gonna really struggle with that. Yeah, but yeah. if you can sort of find the one or two teams in your league that are really struggling and they need that draft capital or they need that young, uh, young flyer, um, then they they're your best bets for finding these sort of players. So, what sort of price would you be willing to pay for Kev? If, Kev for, pay for Kev? Nothing. <laughs> Can we never do one of these nice shows again? <laughs> what sort of price would you pay, Kev? So, so you're looking one of your leagues. You've got someone who is obviously not in contention in in 2020. What, what sort of price would you be happy? Because obviously, you agree with Matt that you think he is a, a win now option. So, I'll ask both of you. Actually, you first, Kev. What sort? What would you be willing to give up for Jared Cook? I'd be willing to give up a second rounder for him. I think. And I think that's a good offer for um, someone that's looking to rebuild as well. Because, I mean, what, what, by the time someone can rebuild, by, by the time somebody rebuild even contend, Jared Cook's going to be no good to you. I think he's already 33 years old going into the season. So, yeah, yeah he's, he's no good sitting on a roster where uh, someone's rebuilding. Matt, are you in the same ballpark as Kev? Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think, like we said, his price is so so low. I think you can get him as, like I say, a throw-in or whatever. I think... If you've got a trade with somebody that you're looking to make and they have Jared Cook sat there on the bench, mm. why not just ask, can you include Jared Cook in that or whatever, Joe? Yeah, I mean, some of these players, you've nailed it there, I think. And mm. you, I think you brought it up with when you said you... Um, I can't remember what player it was now. You said you got as a throw-in. Do you say you got a throw-in from a... Yeah, Marvin Jones. Yeah, yeah I mean, looking yeah. at that, some of these players, if you can get these as in a throw-in, then you're going to yeah. you can quickly start dominating your league. Um, especially as Kev's mentioned quite a few times, the, the ageist dynasty owners like myself who just want any player that gets over 25 off their roster as fast as possible. So I think I think we have covered, even though we haven't agreed on every section we've, or every selection, sorry, we've, we've, I think there's a lot of great options in there for teams that are looking to win now or in 2021. So moving on to the next section of the show, we're going to be looking at our regular section of guest questions where we get to put our guest on the spot. So this is where we get to bury you, Matt, for the <laughs> second time in the show. So hopefully you haven't got Sony Michelle in here again. Well, uh, so... it. unless it's a void. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he changed it during the show, I think. Uh, so at this point in the show, we're looking at players in Dynasty that you need, acquire, sell or avoid. So firstly, looking at a player that you need. So... One player, Matt, that you'd be willing mm -hmm. to overpay for in Dynasty that you need on your teams in 2020? Well, I'm sure you two both know who I'm going to pick for this one, but it's Todd Gurley. Oh, <laughs> shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I would just need this guy on my team. I just need him. I just think, he, I've said it all earlier, but I just think he's going to have such a good year. If he gets that workload, which I'm pretty confident he will do, he's shown what he can do. I just, I just need him on all my teams. I mean, we covered it a lot earlier. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't think I'd overpay for him, to be fair. But I am yeah. much more open to having him on my teams now than I was uh, at the start of the off-season. So, Kev, this is a little bit different of a question to what it was earlier. Obviously, you agreed with Matt, as did I, on Gurley as a, as a win-now option. But this is obviously a little bit of a different question. Would you be willing to overpay for Todd Gurley? Well, I don't actually like agreeing with you, Rich, but <laughs> on on this one, I, I am going to agree with you. And it, it's um, it's just more about the, the term overpay for me. I think at the right price, I'd be willing to do it. But 
Um, overpaying for someone that's got injury concerns, it's potentially a one-year deal and then he could end up in a worse situation. It's not someone I'd want to overpay for. I'd, yeah. I'd take him at the right price, um, but not by going over the top as such. But w- one thing I would say which um, sort of fits in with this is that if you think Gurley is that one last piece that you need, mm-hmm. then I commend mm-hmm. you for being bold and going for it and actually making a decision to overpay, even if you know that the price isn't in your favour because... Who cares if you get a title at the end of the exactly. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing more frustrating for me than seeing like teams that just sort of play it safe for the, the middle of the fairway and just hope to get into the playoffs and get lucky. I mean... It's just a boring way of playing... Yeah, fancy. Yeah. I mean, we could go on for hours about that subject. I mean, we've talked about it enough. For me, I, I know you agree with me, Kevin. So it'd be interesting what you think, Matt. I, for me, if I don't finish first in redraft or dynasty, I couldn't care less if I finish last. To be honest, yeah. for me, last is the same as finishing sixth. I couldn't care yeah, less. That's it. I think if I'm not finishing first, I, I want to be last. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, in dynasty, it works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's what I've done with the uh, win now rebuild in the league where all the tickets were. <laughs> I'll be looking to win a single game, and I'm delighted about it. So, yeah. if we move on to the next question, then, which is a player that you're looking to acquire. So, one player. So, this is an overpay, Matt. This is a player mm-hmm. you're looking to actively acquire at the right price. Yeah. So, for this one, I've gone for Juju Smith-Schuster. And to be honest, I was contemplating putting him as a need and that I was willing to overpay for because I just think everybody's so down on him after a disappointing 2019 season that I think you can get him now. His price is so low. I think it's probably going to be the lowest it's ever going to be, if I'm being honest. I think a bounce back's definitely due. He's got Big Ben back. He's, uh, He's got over the injuries. He had a couple of injuries last year, I think. So I just think now's the time to get him before his price shoots back up again. The only issue for Juju is he's got um, future Hall of Famer Deontay Johnson <laughs> playing opposite him. His ADP seems to go up every time that uh, that you look at the FFPC or anything like that. But in all seriousness, I, I'm sort of on the fence here. I think I, I can certainly see the thinking behind it, but I just worry there are too many question marks. We still haven't seen him produce as the alpha wide receiver in his offense. So. Again, you, you've made a very valid point that obviously you have Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges as his quarterback last year, so that could be easily explained away. But until we see it, my question would still be that the only season where we've seen him you know, look like a stud was with Antonio Brown playing opposite him. And the other concern is that there seems to be a lot of rumours, I'm assuming you guys have seen them too, that a lot of people don't believe that Smith-Schuster will be on the Steelers roster in 2021. Would that put you off, Matt? Or do you th- are you so feeling so strong about Juju that even if he moves teams next off-season, you'd still, be, you'd still want him on your roster? Because, I mean, as he said, he's only 23 years old. So. Yeah, I think, basing it on talent, I think, yeah, I'd still want him. Like with any wide receiver, though, it can all depend where he'd, he'd land. So, yeah. I mean, it happened last year with Odell Beckham when he went to the Browns. Obviously, he had a down year. So, it's always a concern when wide receivers move teams. But... Yeah, I think the talent is is the side of him that I'm looking to buy rather than his current situation. Yeah, I mean, you've nailed it on the the players moving teams as well. And that is why I'm doubling down on Calvin Ridley finishing higher than DeAndre Hopkins in 2020. 
Nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I put that on Twitter a few weeks ago and I got absolutely dismantled. So I won't be doing Sorry. that again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kev, Juju, in or out? I, I'm in on this one, yeah, I like mm. it. Um, Matt's pretty much took my notes, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he said he said everything I wanted to say. Oh, oh, only thing I could really add was that he did have that elite production at such an early age. And I think, obviously, you got to take into account Antonio Brown there with him. But if you look up the stats for those first couple of years and compare him to some of the all-time greats, he's 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 like really up there with some yeah. massive names mm-hmm. um, from, from from the history of the NFL, really. So that that early production stands out for me. Last year was a down year, which didn't help with the quarterback situation, the injuries, etc. But I'd be willing to take a punt, and I do actually think that if he did move next off season, it wouldn't necessarily be a, a bad thing because you got to think if he stays, ben, how long ben is Roethlis how long is Big Ben going to be there? Yeah. If he if he moved, let's say hypothetically, he went to someone like I don't know the the Eagles, for example. I think they were rumored to be trading for him before the draft. Then being being tied to an elite quarterback, Rich. And I, I, I agree. I think Jalen Hurts and Juju is a great, <laughs> it could be a great combination. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so we agree on that. Well, you two agree on that one. I can certainly <laughs> see the argument for it. To be fair, I'm probably being a little bit of a hypocrite after just literally five minutes ago ranting about people that don't take enough risks. I'm sort of sat here on the fence <laughs> on Juju, despite that elite production in 2018. So. I think people will certainly agree with you guys more than me on that one. So looking at the more controversial ones now, Matt, one player that you are actively looking to sell at the right price. Yeah, so for this one, I've gone for Drew Locke. Hallelujah! (laughs) Someone has seen sense. (laughs) Obviously, this is more of a super flex kind kind of situation. But yeah, he's currently going as the quarterback 18 in Dynasty Startups. But what have we seen from him? Oh, he's... He's got such a small sample size last year that I don't understand where all the hype's coming from. I think it's mainly based on on the weapons he's got, obviously with them, with the draft and with Aaron Court and Sutton. But it's the weapons that seem to be. I think people are. I mean, I already thought it was overrated uh, based on what a five-game sample where he threw for over two hundred yards once. And I think the weapons they've added. Obviously, they've got Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Melvin Gordon. I think. I think you're right. I think that's what's boosting this this ridiculous notion that that he's going to return these sort of numbers yes i agree i'll jump in and answer this yeah um fully on board really i think with, with lock he's I, I mean i've i've seen him in startups go pretty early in the first three or four rounds yeah um, i was shocked so, by the qb18 i've seen him go a lot earlier than yeah, that as well, well. Yeah. So, yeah so i think I think for me as well, like because there's all this hype, even though his um, his his ADP is 18, there's got to be some leagues where people are valuing him as a as a QB one, yeah. and I think he's an ideal yeah. sell candidate in these leagues where he's getting all this hype. Yeah. Um, personally, I do think QB 18 is about right, mm. but yeah. I don't I don't see him go there personally. 
Yeah, so, I don't know. I don't. I, it's. I think it's right. I think I've, he is around about eighteen, like like Matt said. But I've I've definitely seen him go much earlier than that. I mean, I, if if he was there for me at QB eighteen in a superflex league, I'd probably tempted to go for him. But even at that point, QB eighteen, I'd still be hesitant to take him. And there's other guys going around him that have got a, a more proven track record. Yeah, I think it's one of them where if you're in a draft, you could if he is there as a quarterback 18, you take him and then trade him, him if you can. Yeah, sell him before trade the season for... starts. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> when while, it turns while, into a disaster. While hype's building, sell him. Yeah, I mean the only thing I'd ask on that then quickly is, and I know we we ask this question quite a lot, um, so we'll start with you on this, Matt. With Drew Lock as the quarterback in Denver, obviously they've got a lot of of weapons from a fantasy perspective. Do you worry that Drew Locke can't support all of those weapons? Yeah. yeah. I just I don't think he can support players like you say, Judy, uh, KJ Amlu. I'm quite a big fan of actually. I quite liked him coming into into the draft and I've been scooping him up in third round of mm. my uh, rookie rookie draft. So I think he's a great player. But yeah, I, I struggle to see him supporting all three wide receivers and Noah Fant as well. Yeah. Plus the running backs, they've obviously got Melvin Gordon. So... He's going to be demanding some targets. So, yeah, I think there's, I don't think you can support all of them players. Yeah, totally. So, we've got one that we finally all agree on there <laughs> uh, after a long wait uh, since the first half of the show, I think. So, the last one, Matt, is a player that you're looking, that you're completely avoiding from buying the dynasty, someone that you don't want on your roster at all going forward. Yeah, for me, this one's David Johnson. I know we mentioned, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know we mentioned him earlier, but yeah, I just, he burnt me last year. I did in a I did a dynasty start a dynasty start last year, and I took him as my running back one. And obviously, he started brilliant, but he was just a shell of his form self up towards the back half of that year. So, I'm not a fan. He's 28. He, we know that running backs can just come and go as easy as anything. So, I think if you've got him while the hype's still there, I think now's the time just to get rid and be done. I think the issue you might have is, I mean, I have no David Johnson thank the Lord. But I don't, I'm guessing that you don't either. I don't, I'm not sure about you, Kev, but I mean, I don't, I don't know what sort of price you can even get from it. Is it, I mean, I, I get it. You, you wouldn't buy him. If you've actually got him on your roster, do you think you can even sell him at this point? Or is he someone that you just, because he's, despite all the concerns around him, he's probably too good to straight up cut from your roster at this point. But I doubt you can get any sort of value back on him. I think you can sell him, me. I, th- I reckon that if you play it right and you speak to the right owners, you could spark interest based on volume. Because, last season as well. because you've got you've got to think that there's not there's not many running backs in the NFL that a lead backs are going to get sixty seventy percent of the work. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's he's going to be twenty nine in season, so you need to be moving fast to get to get him traded. Yeah. Um. But I, I think you could sell him on the base of a new team. Um, and the volume, yeah. and just hope that the that the people you're selling to have, have got memory loss for the second half of last <laughs> season. Yeah, because people look at his numbers in the first half of last year, where I think he was an RB1 four of the first five weeks of the season. But if you actually dig deep into the his efficiency, it was absolutely disgraceful, even though he was finishing as an RB1. It was sort of Leonard Fournette levels of... Uh, inefficiency yes i managed to get leonard (laughs) criticism in the show i didn't think i was going to manage it i think if i was the owner of david johnson and i think you've sort of nailed it there kevin this is probably a little bit more risky than getting rid of him now 
I actually think with Johnson's obviously had time to recover from the injuries last year, I would wait until the start of the season. And I think he could potentially have one or two big or at least decent weeks coming out out of the blocks at the start of 2020. And then you can probably sell him for a higher price, maybe around week three or four of the season. Yeah, I like that. There you go. That's the first thing you've agreed with me on in about six months, Kev. So that's <laughs> that's a positive. So move on to the next one. Um, I think we're going to have to start have to start removing this question from the show because it's no longer a debate by the looks of it. From it you see, yeah, <laughs> from what you see on social media and what people have said to us on this show. Uh, but we're going to ask you, Matt. So at the end of the season, this was a, a red hot debate. Um, mm -hmm. and it sort of starts to hot up a little bit as we've got closer to redraft season, but the gap just seems to be getting bigger and bigger. But obviously you may shock us with your answer, so we're asking you, the guys, they're still pretty close in ADP, but the gap is getting bigger. Matt, are you Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs? I am Miles Sanders. Of course. Yes, of course. Quite, quite substantially as well. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Miles Sanders, he's got the upside, he's got the passing work, which is obviously something that Josh Jacobs doesn't have, even though I do think he's quite a capable pass-catching running back, but you don't get that kind of work while he's, at, he's with the Raiders. So, yeah, I think Miles Sanders is quite easy for me. And uh, I also have a bit of a vendetta against Jacobs because I didn't take him in the... I had the 101 in my rookie draft last year. In <laughs> the year he came out and I didn't take him, I took uh, Harry. So, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's not sleep on Nkeel Harry. He's going to break out this year. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still a believer. I, I love Nkeel Harry. Uh, Kev, I don't think we really need to get involved in this conversation again <laughs> since we repeat it on every, every show. But obviously, we're in total agreement here. And like I said, the only thing to add is, for me, the gap just keeps getting wider as the weeks go on. So we'll move on to Matt's reputate. So Matt, your burning reputation on Twitter, <laughs> where you just get praise, praise after praise for your articles. You're going to have to put that on the line right now with your <laughs> peppy take. So this is a hot take that you would gamble your burning reputation on being correct. And the time scale is the 2020 season. So this isn't Dynasty. This is a take for the 2020 NFL season. Yeah. So I was actually contemplating saying that I think Duke Johnson would outscore David Johnson in 2020, I but I didn't, I didn't want to rely too much on the hope that David Johnson might get injured or whatever. So I've decided to go on the flip side of that and hope that somebody isn't injured. I've gone for Will Fuller to finally stay healthy, play the full season and finish the top 20 wide receiver. Yes! Do you know what? Love I think it. that's my favourite one. I think that yeah. is, that's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, um, I think... We'll come to Kev because he's a fuller lover. But if you want to give us some more thoughts on that, Matt, because I don't think yeah. I can add anything to what you're going to say because I, oh. I just think this is nailed on if he stays healthy. <laughs> yeah, I just think he's got the talent. He's obviously, there's no DeAndre Hopkins anymore with Texans. So he should get some more targets. Obviously, they've just got uh, Brandon Cooks. But I think them, them targets that Hopkins had are going to get shared out a bit more. So yeah. if he can stay healthy, it's a big if. But... I've just got that feeling. I've just got that feeling that he's going to do it this year. And yeah, he's just going to blow everything away. I think, yeah, I think the only, like you've alluded to there, the only way I think this doesn't come off, this reputation, is if he doesn't stay healthy. Like you were, obviously, they won't finish. I kept you over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if he is healthy off season, I would be stunned if Will Fuller wasn't a top 20 wide receiver. I think he would have been a, a top 20 wide receiver any season if he'd stayed healthy. Mm -hmm. And Kev, coming to you, I would assume 
I'm sort of guessing here, but from our conversations previous, I would assume that you like this one as well. I love this one, yeah. yeah. I've got to say, Will Fuller is probably one of my most, uh, one of my favourite players to watch yeah. because it's yeah. such a roller coaster with him. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm really intrigued to see what happens with that whole offence, to be honest, because obviously Hopkins has left and I do think Fuller's. Um, got the potential to be be the alpha but I'm just wondering if his role will stay the same um you know where he's used a lot in the in the red zone and the touchdown upside or if they'll actually switch him in to play the the new Copkins role as such I'm just really intrigued as to which player will be that role will it be Brandon Cooks or will it be Fuller I think they they might use Cooks more as the the field stretcher potentially. Yeah, yeah, which would be perfect for Will Fuller. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's... Uh, is this the first reputate we've all agreed on, Kev? <laughs> I don't think it is. I don't think we've had one before where we've we've all agreed with it from what I can remember anyway. I think that's a great one. Yeah. I think I think his first one with John Bauer about Sam, Sam Darnold we like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've sort of called on that one though, actually. Uh, but that's for another show. <laughs> <laughs> I've done another U-turn of my many U-turns, um, but I'm not as confident on him being... Yeah, it was Sam Darnold's the top 12 quarterback. I love Darnold, but I just don't yeah. think we've done enough around him. So, But yeah, I think uh, Matt's going to the top of the leaderboard with that Will Fuller <laughs> take. I think that's great. Um, so that's brought us to the end of the show. We've had another fantastic guest in Matt. Matt, do you want to let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and any projects that you're working on at the minute? Yeah, you can catch me on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. I'm currently working on an article that I'm really excited about. So I'm having a lot of fun putting it together. I think I've shown you both some pictures of of that putting it together. Graphics, graphics. yeah. Yeah. The Will Fuller of graphics. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with that one. So hopefully that that should be coming out soon and you can catch the rest of my articles over at the FF Astronauts website. So yeah, thanks for having me. Excellent. Uh, Thanks again to Matt has been another fantastic guest and we'll certainly have him on again in the future uh, so that's brought us to the end of the show Kev um, is there anything you want to add because usually when I do this it just turns into a farce so I'm just going to let you take us out with something interesting um, let's have a think <laughs> <laughs> no um, it's been an awesome show thanks for coming on Matt it's been uh, nice to have a, a British <laughs> representative yeah. on the show as well um, yeah. And we, we do love that Sheffield accent. So uh, <laughs> cheers for coming on. And um, I'm sure we'll hear again from you very soon. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again. I know, I know Matt would agree with my last sentiment. Um, just want to wish the boys at Leeds United good luck this weekend yeah, boom. in promotion <laughs> to, to the Premier League. Boom. And we're going to sign out on that before either of these idiots can add anything. So uh, thanks out. again. <laughs> thanks again, guys. Tell that. Do you have what it takes to beat the British ballers at fantasy football? Do you want to play in a unique league combining redraft and best ball? Do you want the chance to be a guest on our podcast? We bring you the 2020 British Ballers Listener League. See our pin tweet on Twitter at British underscore ballers for further details. Applications to be in by Saturday the 18th of July for a chance at playing. Thank you and good luck.